0: Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase by Legendsmith Productions. I'm Scooter, and with me is LJ Donnell. Yo! Morgan Hazelwood. Hey! Lynn Parsons. Hey there! And Max Baskin.
1: Howdy ho!
0: Today we'll be listening to Anansi Storytime, which premiered in 2016 and was produced by Scooter. Anansi Storytime was first conceived in 2014 when Scooter, while talking to friends, found himself rambling about his extensive collection of books on fairy tales. Realizing others were completely unfamiliar with many of the stories he was brought up with, he decided to create a show dedicated to fixing this. Thus, Anansi's story time was made. This episode is called Hudden and Dudden and Donald O'Neary, originally published on June 9th, 2018. Okay, let's get started. I am Anansi, Keeper of Stories,
2: Settle down while I stir the pot. Join me while I spin a tale. Welcome to Anansi's Story Storytime. I'm your host, Boston Moss. Our story is called Hudden and Dudden and Donald O'Neary, and it is a Celtic tale collected by Joseph Jacobs. Our players are Keith Riley, Matt Olaf Hinton, Chris G, Thomas Sixton, and Jatar Tavishan. Please enjoy.
3: Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. We've been up all night hammering out this episode for you, and we could use a little help keeping the fire stoked. That's where you come in. Head over to patreon.com slash legendsmithproductions to pitch in as one of our patrons. We thank you for listening and for your continued support.
0: Come, sit, listen. I once heard a story that
2: started like this. There was, once upon a time, two farmers, Hudden and Dudden. They had poultry in their yards, sheep on their uplands, and scores of cattle in the meadowland alongside the river. But for all that, they weren't happy. For just between their two farms, there lived a poor man by the name of Donald O'Neary. He had a hovel over his head and a strip of grass that was barely enough to keep his one cow, Daisy, from starving. And though she did her best, it was but seldom that Donald got a drink of milk or a roll of butter from Daisy. You would think there was little here to make those two jealous, but so it is. The more one has, the more one wants.
4: Oh, if we could only get that vagabond Donald O'Neary out of the country, then we could have that little strip of grassland. What
5: about that vagabond's cow, Daisy? We could kill her, and if that doesn't make him clear out, nothing will. <laughs>
2: no sooner said than agreed. It wasn't dark before Hudden and Dudden crept up to the little shed where lay poor Daisy. She was trying her best to chew the cud, though she hadn't had as much grass in the day as would cover your hand. And when Donald came to see if Daisy was all snug for the night, the poor beast had only time to lick his hand once before she died.
3: Poor Daisy! You were a good cow. I'll not let your death be wasted. Hmm. I... I've got just the thing.
2: Donald trudged off early the next day. Daisy's hide over his shoulder, and every penny he had jingling in his pockets. Just before he got to the fair, he made several slits in the hide, put a penny in each slit, walked into the best inn of the town, as bold as if it belonged to him, and, hanging the hide up to a nail in the wall, sat down.
3: Innkeeper, some of your best whiskey. Do you think I cannot pay you? Why, I have a hide here that gives me all the money I want. Well, would you look at that. What do you take for that hide? It's not for sale, my good man. Well, you take a gold piece. It's not for sale, I tell you. Hasn't it kept me in mind for years? Two gold pieces. I said it's not for sale.
2: Three. You can Later that. that evening, back at Hudden's farm... No, still not for sale.
3: Will you lend me your best pair of scales? What? Um, of course.
2: When Donald was safe at home... He pulled out his pocket full of bright gold and began to weigh each piece in the scales. But Hudden had followed Donald back and watched in disbelief. No sooner was Donald's back turned than he was off as hard as he could pelt to Dudden's.
5: Good evening, Dudden. That vagabond. Bad luck to him. You mean Donald O'Neary? And who else should I mean? He's back here weighing out sackfuls of gold. How do you know that? I saw it with my own eyes. He borrowed my scales, so I followed him to see what was what. And there he was, measuring out piles of gold.
2: The two went off together, back to Donald's farm, walking in on him just as Donald was finishing making the last pile of ten gold pieces.
3: Well, I never... Ah, good evening, Hudden. Good evening, Dudden. You thought you had played me a fine trick, but you never did me a better turn in all your lives. When I found poor Daisy dead, I thought to myself, well, her hide may fetch something, and it did. Hides are worth their weight in gold in the market just now.
4: Oh, yes, of course. Our pleasure. Good evening, Donald O'Neary. Good evening,
2: kind friends. Are you... Oh, why? The next day, there wasn't a cow or a calf that belonged to them that didn't have her hide going to the fair in Hudden's biggest cart drawn by Dudden's strongest pair of horses.
4: Hides to sell! How much for your hides, my good man? They're weight
5: in gold! It's early in the day to come out of the tavern. Hides to sell? Fine, fresh hides to sell? How much for your hides, my men? They're weight in gold. Making game of me, are you? Take that for your pains! Oh! Ah! 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 What's What's the matter? matter? What's the matter?
4: Here are a couple of vagabonds selling hides
6: at their weight in gold. (laughs) Hold them fast. Hold them fast. I'll wager it's one of the rogues who tricked me out of 30 gold pieces yesterday for a wretched hide.
5: That Donald O'Neary, that knob-dobber...
3: What's the matter, friends? Is it fighting you've been? Or mayhap you met the police. Ill luck to them. We'll
4: police you, you vagabond. It's mighty smart you thought yourself, deluding us with your lying tales.
3: Who deluded you? Didn't you see the
2: gold with your own two eyes? But it was no use talking. Pay for it he must, and should. There was a meal sack handy, and into it hudden undudden popped Donald O'Neary tied him up tight, ran a pole through the knot, and off they started for the brown lake of the bog, each with a pole end on his shoulder, and Donald O'Neary between. But the brown lake was far. The road was dusty. Hudden and Duddon were sore and weary, and parched with thirst. They came across an inn by the roadside. Ah
5: <sighs> let's go in. I'm dead beat. He's heavy for the little he had to eat. Sit still, you
4: vagabond If we don't mind waiting, you needn't
2: Donald was lumped down at the inn door for all the world, as if he had been a sack of potatoes. Donald held his peace, but after a while, he heard the glasses clink and Hudden singing away at the top of his voice.
3: I won't have her, I tell you. I won't have her. I won't have her, I tell you. I won't have her. I won't have her, I tell you. I won't have her. And who won't you have, may I be so bold as to ask? It's the king's daughter. They are bothering the life out of me to marry her. You're the lucky fellow. I'd give something to be in your shoes. Why, wouldn't it be a fine thing for a farmer to be marrying a princess, all dressed in gold and jewels? Jewels, do you say? Ah, now couldn't you take me with you? Well, you're an honest fellow, and as I don't care for the king's daughter, though she's as beautiful as the day and is covered with jewels from top to toe... You shall have her. Just undo the cord and let me out. They tied me up tight, as they knew I'd run away from her. Now lie still, and don't mind the shaking. It's only rumbling over the palace steps you'll be. And maybe they'll abuse you for a vagabond who won't have the king's daughter. But you needn't mind that. Ah, That's a deal I'm giving up for you, sure as it is that I don't care for the princess.
2: Take my cattle in exchange. Out came Hudden and Dudden, and the one took one end of the pole, and the other, the other.
5: Oof! I think he's getting heavier! Ah, never
4: mind. It's only a step now to the Brown Lake. I'll have her now. I'll have
5: her now. By my faith,
4: you shall, though. I'll have her. I'll have her. Well, here you are. Into the lake you go. You'll not be
5: playing your tricks on us any longer.
4: True for you. Ah, Donald, my boy. It was an ill day when you borrowed Huddin's scales.
2: Off they went, with a light step and an easy heart. But when they were near home, who should they see but Donald O'Neary? And all around him the fine, fat cows were grazing, and the calves were kicking up their heels and butting their heads together.
3: Is it you, Donald? Faith, you've been quicker than we have. True for you, Duddon. And let me thank you kindly. The turn was good if the will was ill. You'll have heard, like me, that the brown lake leads to the land of promise. I always put it down as lies, but it is just as true as my word. Look at the cattle! It's only the worst that I could bring up with me. The others were so fat, there was no driving them. Faith, too. It's little wonder they didn't care to leave with grass as far as you could see, and as sweet and juicy as fresh butter.
4: Ah, now, Donald, haven't we always been friends? As I was just saying, you were ever a
3: decent lad. You'll show us the way, won't you? I don't see that I'm called upon to do that. There's a power more cattle down there. Why shouldn't I have them all to myself? Faith, they may well say the richer you get, the harder the heart. You always were a neighborly lad, Donald. You wouldn't wish to keep the luck all to yourself. True for you, Hudden. Though tis a bad example you set me. But I'll not be thinking of old times. There's plenty for
2: all there, so come along with me. Off they trudged with a light heart and an eager step. But when they came to the brown lake, the sky was full of little white clouds, and if the sky was full, the lake was as full.
3: Ah, now look!
2: There they are! Where? Where? Don't be greedy! Hudden and Dudden jumped into the lake, thinking the clouds were the prize they saw. They never came back. Maybe they got too fat, like the cattle. As for Donald O'Neary, he had cattle and sheep all his days to his heart's content.
0: I hope you enjoyed the tale. When
2: you return, perhaps I will tell you another. The story, Hudden and Dudden and Donald O'Neary, was edited by Samantha Tynes. For more information on Anansi storytime, visit us at spiderstorytime.com. Please review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever we're available. It goes a long way to help people find us. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.
3: What do you take for that hide? It's not for sale, my good man. Well, you take a gold piece.
6: It's not for sale, I tell ya. So, yeah. Wow, that was, um, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely
0: an episode mm-hmm. of something.
1: It's definitely an episode. A bunch of murder hobos, that's what it was. I
0: know. Nobody
1: <laughs> in the story is a good person. No,
7: there but- are. There's like two NPCs and all are, the rest are PCs and their alignment is not neutral or good.
6: No, I think even the narrator was probably like, I the don't know, farmer. selling drugs to the kids.
7: That Yeah, that, that poor farmer
1: who was like, OK, sure, I'll I'll take your princess.
6: Look, he was trying to marry above his station. Clearly, that was the moral of the story, Lord. at least as far as the farmer was concerned.
8: But Chris G's performance on Donald made it seem like, you know, it's like, you know, somebody's talking and they have this rich, full voice. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a good guy. That sounds great. And then suddenly you're buck naked, jumping off a giant bridge into a swirling vortex. And you're like, how the fuck did I get here? This it's guys like, like a that. a very specific example. I'm very How gullible. was the vortex? It was not great.
6: <laughs> was it filled with chocolate pudding?
8: The guy promised I could get to second base. <laughs> but not this specific guy, because... For obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know vortexes and
7: bases were related. It, it's like this. He's like, hey, baby, I'll kiss
1: you. But first. Uh, and he's just enough of a smooth, sweet talker
6: that you're like, OK, so so let me okay, see. So that something. works on you. Okay. I was just
8: really in- impressed with his depth and breadth of expressing his emotions, but also his not anon- annunciation. So
6: you're saying that it was a really girthy performance.
8: <laughs> Very girthy performance. The breadth <laughs> of his performance.
0: So, dear listener, my face is about to invert into itself like I just drank the world's largest sour drink. I... Okay.
8: Yeah. Anyhow. His mouth looks like juice?
6: a <laughs> <laughs> Oh... <laughs> her, damn near killed her oh (laughs) oh
8: cheeky um so apart from one or two places where there was a weird spacing in the words um i thought their give and take was really excellent i thought they picked up what they were putting down i thought the hudden and dudden acted off each other really well the pacing was was solid Mm -hmm.
6: and the background music really seemed to fit It, it helped draw me into the story, even though the people were, they were a little unrealistic, but it's, you know, a fairy tale that's going to happen. It was more of a, wow, are these people really that stupid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are.
0: I mean, let's be fair. The dialogue's a little weird. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's uh, Irish translation into older English.
7: Mm. Right. But
0: the dialogue is not... (laughs) Not the most natural kind of dialogue.
7: We, we got to the selling of the skin and I suddenly was like, hey, wait, I know the story from a German fairy tale about big claws and little claws.
0: Yes, that's what you put in group chat. I remember that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I really liked the pacing as well. I thought that the quick pace of the acting kind of helped sell the smooth talking nature, the pulling a fast one.
8: Well, and it sounded so natural because you're right. Some of the dialogue itself, because it's a fairy tale and a translated one at that can come across as a little stilted, but they just whole hogged it. They did They just ran right through like they they pretended like it was totally natural. And it was they did a really good job selling it.
6: And I like the contrast between the uh, Hudden and Dudden. how one of them sounded Weasley. I could kind of picture, I don't know, Weasley little face, maybe some chin whiskers. I don't know. And the other one just sounded like a big, lovable, dumb, slightly malicious Oaf.
8: Well, oh, take out lovable, maybe.
6: Okay, slightly malicious. It-
0: so, is the tall, skinny one in my brain. Like I well, of the higher voice, the one that's played by Keith.
8: No, see that? Yeah, that's the, the yeah, the skinny guy. And I, I picture a weasel and a bear because I grew up on Warner Brothers, and I can't picture humans. I guess.
6: Like an evil <laughs> Timon and Pumba.
8: Yes. 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 Yeah.
7: yeah.
6: Dark Timon and Pumba.
7: So does that make our quote unquote hero Simba? No. No. The parrot I would say the, in wait. I would, I would say the hero Long, is more like Kovu
1: from Lion King 2 Simba's Pride except not disposed to be a decent i never saw lion king 2 it, it was not
7: after my time well, it was
8: the... shockingly not I'm bad old. for a disney
1: straight to video sequel you are not old
8: the first one's hamlet the second one's uh romeo and juliet exactly yep
1: and, and then the is and dead
8: touch my fingers yes did you ever see Romeo and juliet it's all oh yes i did i did so cute i want to see sherlock gnomes i want to see it so bad my
6: kids saw it they reported that it was funny i'm going to give it a
7: pass (laughs) do you need more alcohol
6: i don't know if there's enough alcohol now paddington on the other hand and the sequel were both great they were great
7: because okay i saw the preview for paddington and it made me almost actually want to see paddington for the first time ever paddington was so weird as a kid i never wanted to try marmalade because of him
6: What is wrong with you? Marmalade is delicious. It is delicious. But
7: Paddington loved it, and he was so annoying and boring, and I never wanted anything to do with him. He wasn't
6: annoying and boring. He was British. Okay, I can see how that could translate. I
7: I like a lot of British (laughs) things, but Paddington was not one of them. Probably because I always, when it started, thought it was going to be the cute bear in the um, buttons in the department store that lost the button and it went and got the- Oh yes, that one. And then it turned out to be Paddington and not Corduroy, and I was just always disappointed. Okay, I can.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like when you're told ice cream and you get ricotta cheese and equal instead. That's not okay. Who did that to you? My parents, and they were b- on South Beach.
8: They're bad. They're bad friends. I never liked ricotta cheese again, ever. Nope, not okay. So this story hadn't done Donna Lonieri.
6: Donald O'Neary? Yeah,
8: yeah, well, that was sad. I'm sad. I mean... Hudden and Dudden and Donald
6: O'Neary. It definitely felt like an Irish story in that everyone had a kind of unhappy ending, except for the guy who tricked everyone the best.
1: Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, tricksters
8: tricking tricksters, and the best trickster wins. Now, to be fair, he didn't start it. And it's kind of an interesting idea that he didn't start the tricking, but he did finish it. Like, he... Uh There's also
7: the fact of that's where the story picks up. We don't know what happened before that.
6: For all you know, he was going over to the other farms and crapping on their uh, farm animals' food or, I don't know, maybe having inappropriate relations. With their wives? So one of the things that's not not apparent about from this part of the story, it's actually a part of a
0: series of Donald O'Neary stories. So Donald O'Neary is like a, a recurring trickster. That people kind of like are mean to, and he ends up being clever enough to take them to turn it back
6: around on them. Well, what did the farmer ever do to him? Because he got him killed. I mean, that's just a dick move.
7: Killed like a sack of kittens. Sack
6: of kittens. The other white meat. Wait, what? The
7: other other white meat.
6: Oh, yes. Babies.
8: (laughs) I'm sorry, everyone. I was just stopping in horror. To reboot my brain. I'm back now.
6: I want my baby back, baby back, baby nope. back, baby back.
0: <laughs> so I, I find this to be very different than most other trickster stories that I've heard or read. Um, in that you're what you're talking about before. Definitely. There is a lot of like you trick me and then I trick you back better as opposed to a lot of other stories Most of the other people are either normal or kind of dumb, and the trickster is like, oh, how clever I am, and screws everybody over.
7: Or they get their comeuppance.
6: Yeah, or they get their comeuppance. But I think that's one thing that they did pretty well. They captured a story which not necessarily everyone would be familiar with, and they made it more approachable. They gave a kind of Cliff's Notes version of what the storytelling culture is like by exploring that story. And I thought that stuck really true to the overall aim that they had, according to the intro. Um, yeah, no, I agree. That's definitely it. Uh, let's see if we can get some individual opinions.
0: Let's um, do a roundtable. Lynn?
1: I actually really like this episode. Um, I thought that they nailed that line of humor, but also taking it seriously without being serious, if that makes any sense. Yeah.
6: Max? There were a lot of things that I enjoyed about the performance. Uh, Like I mentioned, the background music, the ambient sounds, like the sound of the farmer getting dropped into the water, and then later Hudden and Dudden jumping into the water. It really gave a sense of immediacy of this is happening. And I liked that they didn't go too Irish, even though it's an Irish story, and they were focusing on trying to pronounce the words correctly. It didn't sound like they were forcing an accent that they didn't have.
8: LJ. Um, so I liked that it was definitely a hybrid style of taking something like an audio book of fairy tales and taking a full on audio drama, like, you know, total acting, no narration. It was taking those and sim. Like just kind of weaving them together into a lovely little hybrid. There was some, um, there was background music. There were some um, noises to kind of keep you involved in the story. You're definitely hearing it. You're definitely listening to it. Um, but it's still a fairy tale. You're not uh, sinking into it like a, a full fledged drama. And it keeps the childish whimsy, which I really liked about it. I liked that a lot.
0: Morgan.
7: So I, I felt that the story was really well placed and I'm going last. So um, I completely agree that the sound effects were really well integrated and helped make it far more well-rounded. I, I feel like they, they took a tale that could have come across as mean and added some playful spirit to it. And I mean, yes, they're all horrible people, but you're, you're still kind of excited when he wins at the end.
0: Yeah, that all makes sense to me.
7: Uh, final thought.
1: I really felt listening to this like I was a child again being read a bedtime story by a parent who would do all of the fun voices and make the sound effects. It was it was like a really grown up and well produced way of evoking that same sense of wonder and just good storytelling that I remember from being a kid.
6: Whimsy. Except for the fact that you know everyone other than Donald O'Neary kind of ended up dead, but still whimsy. Yeah, almost everybody in that story died, the, right? The guy
7: who bought the skin still had.
0: Yeah. You're right. But, the one who beat the one who beat him up earlier.
7: But but what about
0: Daisy?
6: Poor Daisy. Man, that's like a total like a total party wipe. T P W.
8: There's a common theme in a lot of uh, Celtic folk tales where it's know thyself take a step. Don't hesitate, you know, thrust yourself into a situation. But if it's beyond you and you attempt it anyway, you're being foolhardy. You're being arrogant. Whereas Donald clearly knows that this is a situation he can handle and he handles it in a very specific way. But basically there's a lot of stories where it's just know thyself, you know, be brave and bold enough to try something or to get yourself out of a situation or to pull that trick. But don't overextend because you're going to lose every time.
6: Which is what the farmer was doing.
8: That's it. Yeah, because he uh, thought he could marry a princess. He was like, oh, no problem. I got this. And he just blindly went into this bag and didn't really consider the fact that he might be being duped.
7: Yeah, Yeah, I
0: think the farmer got tricked the worst out of everybody, period.
7: But the fact that, you know, oh, we substituted one guy for another. Let's see if the princess notices.
6: Yeah, kind of a little. It's not Rich dark for Vulture's Crystals. It's been freeze-dried. You've never seen those commercials? No. (gasps) Hi, we've secretly replaced the coffee at this restaurant with rich, dark Folgers crystals. Let's see if anyone notices. Then followed by testimonials from customers saying how much they love the coffee, at which point it's revealed that it's instant coffee. Oh. Yes. I do not watch enough television. This was back in the 80s.
7: When you couldn't skip them.
6: Yes, you could. You could turn it off.
7: Or you could run to the kitchen for a snack.
6: You can dance if you want to. You can leave your friends behind.
7: But if you don't dance, you're no friend of mine.
6: That's fair.
0: That was Hudden and Dudden and Donald Donary from the show, Anansi Storytime. To find out more, go to www.spiderstorytime.com. This was Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Thanks for listening. High five. We made it. Right?